Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I will be speaking with Lori McCall. Lori is an innovative, versatile, and results-oriented executive and founder of WIM Detroit, a technology startup and digital transformation consultancy focused on implementing agile solutions to businesses of all sizes. Prior to launching her own company, Lori was a director with one of the largest global professional service firms responsible for driving and delivering enterprise, IoT, and e-commerce transformation solutions to Fortune 500 clients in the automotive, consumer products, technology, industrial products, and health solution sectors. Lori led a local $7 million enterprise solutions practice focused on developing market and account strategies, driving market growth, and delivering new technology and organizational transformation services. She has championed product launches for new technologies and solutions, innovative analytical platforms, and emerging cloud-based solutions locally and nationally. Lori has a proven track record of establishing strong, long-term client relationships, developing and managing high-performing teams, building innovative value-driven solutions, and insights for all her clients. She's an also active member of the Detroit Athletic Club, Michigan Women's Business Foundation, and also donates time as an emerging philanthropist for Southeast Michigan United Way. Welcome to the show, Lori. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you, Jennifer. It's amazing to be with you today. That's great. Well, let's get started. Um, Lori, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my career started, um, at least in the technology field, from the very beginning. Um, I have an undergrad uh, from Ohio University, a Bachelor of Business, and uh, a Master's in Business from uh, Bowling Green uh, in Management Information Systems. So Uh, My overall kind of passion for technology and data kind of started in school. Um, And then from there, uh, I really uh, went and joined uh, one of the big four. um, That was PricewaterhouseCoopers. uh, Right around the Enron kind of uh, financial accounting um, fraud and meltdown of Arthur Anderson. And so when I joined PwC, I started working in the technology space, working uh, primarily in Detroit with a lot of our uh, Fortune 500 clients, uh, working on a lot of different technology transformations, um, anything from separating companies to large enterprise implementations to process automations to some of the Sarbanes-Oxley for um, Sarbanes-Oxley um, controls implementation projects. Um, 
and then from there started to take more of a specialty in uh, the enterprise solutions or SAP security controls and GRC. And so that's where I got to work uh, with some of the largest companies in the world um, across automotive, industrial products, high tech, um, agriculture, uh, consumer products. And so, um, you know, at the end of my big four career, I was a director leading our um, service line for our entire um, state, as well as um, uh, handling a lot of global roles as far as the methodology build and um, service expertise. Uh, but as you know, a lot of kind of people come in their career with the big four, um, you have that kind of decision path that you make. Do you continue on to partner or do you go out into industry? And so I came from an entrepreneurial family. Um, most of my family members are entrepreneurs. Um, I saw where technology was going. Um, I saw that a lot of times I could uh, kind of force, foresee some of the trends and changes three to five years out. And so um, I made a decision to leave the big four and start my own company, uh, WIM, or We Are WIM, uh, four years ago. And we really focused on kind of becoming this boutique startup that uh, was really innovative, working with the latest technologies, not just within the enterprise kind of world, the, the large companies, you know, accounting and finance and uh, manufacturing processes, but more in kind of the digital space, which is all of the uh, portfolios of applications and solutions that work and touch consumers. Um, and so that's how I kind of ended up to where I am now. But I've always had a passion for solving problems. I've always had a passion for automation and how you can drive efficiencies there, as well as data and how data when it's thoughtfully architected can bring a lot of insight and information to people um, in a way that allows them to make better decisions or have those interesting aha moments. So that's kind of my career from corporate to startup to business owner to <laughs> growing business owner. Um, and so it's been really exciting um, and interesting to say the least. That is an amazing journey. Wow, you have a plethora of experience and things that you can apply directly to your own business and grow it. So that's that's amazing. Great, great journey. So you have a proven track um, of establishing strong, long-term client relationships, which we know is really, really important today. Yeah. And also yeah. managing high-performing teams, which is another very big need. Can you share some practices, uh, best practices that you use uh, for success? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's start with client relationships. Mm -hmm. um, because, and I think when you're working in the corporate world um, in that transformation or consulting kind of role, you have a more complex um, approach for how you manage those relationships. But in the kind of small boutique business where, uh, you know, every decision matters, every client you take on matters, um, you know, I think the approach is slightly different. And I would say that at least in my world, kind of running um, my own um, 
technology company and innovation lab, we are very thoughtful about the clients that we uh, and how we work with them. So by that, I mean, you know, we have, <laughs> as you would do when you start a digital transformation or any sort of transformation or user experience project, we have our favorite executive level personas and we look for clients that are innovative and forward thinking and have allocated the resources to you know, make those things happen. Um, we look for clients who have flexible um, and uh, flexible environments where their um, executives and managers are empowered to make decisions um, and are empowered to take some risks. And so, you know, for us, I would say that, you know, we look for, you know, clients that are really kind of great to work with um, and are interested in doing really great stuff. Uh, and we make some tough decisions from the beginning around those relationships now. Um, and so that's one of the mechanisms we use. We also have a formal quarterly kind of process where we kind of look at all the work we've done together over the last quarter and say, okay, what value have we delivered for our client? And how can we articulate that value? Um, as far as a return on investment, a return on experience, or a return on efficiency. Um, and so we have kind of those checkpoints as every client team, um, every client team within the WIM kind of um, account uh, verticals, whether it's software development, managed services, or in the uh, transformation and strategy side, sit down together and ask, what value did we deliver in the last quarter? And then we pull together a scorecard and have kind of a conversation with our clients about that. Um, which is also a nice way of saying, you know, have we moved the needle on some of the goals we set? Mm -hmm. um, so that's on the client side. As far as high performing teams, um, one of the things that I always try to do uh, is ensure that the people around me, my leadership team, are the right balance and fit for me. Um, and I don't know, Jennifer, if you've heard of the EOS model, the entrepreneurial oh, yeah. operating system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So number one, our culture starts from the top and is something we live and breathe as a leadership team. So I uh, am well aware that I can be in that visionary kind of bucket and I need integrators on, on my left and right. Um, from the client delivery side, as well as the internal operation side to ensure like we are executing and we are executing with the same level of quality that we kind of, you know, we live by as a culture. The other piece that we are really thoughtful about is um, taking great people who have a hunger for learning, uh, who are flexible, who are really smart and ensuring we have them in either the projects or opportunities or streams that they are most interested in. So we try to match, match make uh, all of our teams to those opportunities to keep them excited, to keep them challenged and to keep them kind of striving to learn more. So I'd say those are the two things that we do from the client side, as well as from the high performing team side. Um, we also ensure as a team, we have celebrations for every launch, big or small, um, and we take the time to be thoughtful about the things that matter to our team. 
um, to ensure that, you know, they are kind of um, supporting our mission, excited by the mission, and, you know, open to growing with us. That is great. So let's let's dig a little deeper. Let's go back to the um, client relationship. So if I, it feels like you have a really good persona of the ideal client. And so mm-hmm. you ensure that you're already prepared picking your clients. So a lot of times, you yep. know, the clients are picking the vendor, but here yep. you are picking the client, which I love. And yeah. so that persona really says, okay, this is the right client. They're innovative. They're forward thinking. Um, mm-hmm. They fit what we are looking for. So I love that. And then um, the scorecard, you're always looking to give value back to the customer, which is yep. so important because that's a long-term relationship right there. Because yep. if you're providing value, then every dollar they spend with you is is giving them a return on their investment. So that's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. then on team side, we also use the EOS model. So it's so funny that you said that. <laughs> yeah. so I know it well. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the team side, it seems like, um, first of all, you've made sure that you have the right people in the right seats, very important. Right. Um, and that the culture from top down is the same. You know, everybody's focused on their core values. Everybody is uh, aligned to the same goal yep. and um, and you focus on your team's success uh, on their strengths which mm-hmm. I love you know because a lot of people sometimes focus on trying to improve people on their weaknesses and that's usually mm-hmm. a, a recipe for failure you know build on their strengths which is great and then celebrate right. successes which I love every little success you want to celebrate because uh, it means a lot to the team yeah, absolutely. No, you've summarized kind of the, you've summarized our whim culture to AT. Um, and I'm really thankful because um, I do have fantastic um, leaders around me um, who have created fantastic relationships with our clients, but also in our community. Um, to ensure that we have a lot of opportunities to bring on more high-performing team members, to bring on, you know, those who are really interested in doing something different. Um, And we do have a a niche as well, which is that we're a woman-owned tech company. Mm -hmm. Um, We are one of the only woman-owned tech companies that is officially registered uh, with the city of Detroit. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's an important um part when you think about some of the amazing um talent that's out there that often can feel like they're not seen in certain cultures and so you know that's why I'm kind of lucky to just have a great leadership team as well as um the opportunity to kind of share that you know we can be in this space and we can be really strong in this space that's great you um you've built an impressive business and impressive teams and obviously have very successful customers. So great job on Mm -hmm. that. Stay tuned for the rest of today's interview after a brief word from our sponsor. Are you an expert in your field? Are you a woman who values thought leadership? We'd love to have you join us as a guest on an upcoming episode of Tech in the Right Direction. Visit us at directionstraining.com forward slash podcast to apply today. 
While there, be sure to check out Directions Training's newest initiative, the WIT Cloud Power Scholarship for Azure Fundamentals Certification. This year, we have offered 100 scholarships to women for the Microsoft Azure Fundamentals Training Course, valued at $950 per student as an opportunity to start their pathway to becoming a Microsoft Certified Professional. Help us continue to drive social change and the advancement of women in the technology industry. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. We now rejoin our host, Jennifer Didier, with today's guest. Um, so you have a Detroit Fashion and Tech Hackathon each year. I was so curious about this, so tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh. If it doesn't, uh, what do they say? If it doesn't uh, kill me, uh, oh my goodness. Stronger. Makes, makes me stronger. stronger. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, the Detroit Fashion and Tech Hackathon is a 36 hour innovation challenge. It starts on a Friday night and it ends on a Sunday where um, we work with brands in the city of Detroit right now. Um, to uh, crowdsource real business problems that they're facing, uh, which we pose to the Fashion and Tech Hackathon. Um, so I know that fashion and tech kind of, for a number of people, might sound like a weird combination of things. Um, we really, underneath that, say it's a retail and apparel innovation challenge. And obviously being within uh, Michigan, automotive and manufacturing is a very strong industry here. Um, we are exploring similar trends as far as industry 4.0, as far as automation, as far as AI and machine learning and robotics. And we're looking at ways that some of the technology and processes and automation trends in other industries could be applied to uh, the fashion or apparel industry, um, which is a budding kind of industry here. So uh, it's a 36 hour innovation challenge where we take real problems that come from brands in our city. Um, we open the registration up to um, anybody who'd like to participate and we open it up to those who are fashion designers, maybe fashion merchandisers, uh, maybe textile experts, um, Maybe they're general creatives with a passion for fashion. Maybe they've started their own line. And then we also work across all of the technology spaces, which is maybe they're a user experience designer, UX UI designer. Maybe they're a front end or full stack developer. Maybe they're a data scientist, um, or maybe they're kind of um, working in AI and machine learning or omni-channel commerce. And what we do is we form teams uh to work on the challenge they go through the process uh that we run them through which is uh, an innovation methodology to help them understand the problem help them do research on the impact of the problem um help them ideate on potential solutions help them build the architecture and working visual demo or demo prototype for that and then build the pitch deck <laughs> and kind of the full complete kind of story behind what their solution is. Um, and those final solutions have to be submitted by 10 o'clock on a Sunday. And uh, from there, the judges pick the top three, which go into the final live pitch competition, uh, where then the, the top 
uh, solutions are identified. So, you know, this year, um, this is our third year doing this event. Uh, we were uh, part of the Detroit Design Month. So this actually just finished in September. And because of COVID, um, we had to completely rethink the model. Traditional hackathons are usually done in person. Mm -hmm. um, we actually uh, made the call to have this virtual uh, early on in the year, uh, preparing for somewhat of the worst uh, case scenario. And so we had a complete virtual um, innovation challenge that lasted 36 hours and included people participating from all over the world, which right. was wild. <laughs> in prior years, it was uh, obviously a, it was a, an event that was growing in size, uh, doubling year over year, but opening it up on the virtual kind of platform that we built uh, allowed us to have people register from all over the world. That is amazing. So I have a couple of questions. So how many people do you have in this hackathon? So uh, we usually cap it at about a hundred. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. this year we we came just shy of a hundred. We had uh, eleven countries represented, eleven states. Um, our male female breakout was. Oh, I was going to uh, ask you that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, we had more than half. Uh, of the registrants were female um, and 87% of our participants were free agents, which means they did not have a preformed team. So that means that as part of our event, we actually virtually matchmake and construct, allow kind of the participants to construct their own teams. So this, this is amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> it's did fascinating. you come up with this idea? Um, the, um, well, the hackathon or the fashion and tech hackathon? Yep. Um, well, hackathons are a... Hackathons are common, but... They're common. Um, they're common. You put the two together? Well, when I launched WIM, we started working in, in the fashion space, and I just realized how, I can't say that I came up with the concept of the fashion and tech uh, um, convergence, but I will say that very few people are doing it. Um, right. I think there's actually only two consecutively annual running, or sorry, two annual hack fashion and tech hackathons that are running. Both of them are in the US. Um, there's variations of fashion and tech that are happening across the country. Um, some of it is in more of the wearables or um, you know that kind of space. But mm -hmm. so I can't say that I came up with it, but it was definitely um, an edgy event for a city that is traditionally automotive <laughs> that's amazing so it was a concept that took a lot of time to to um get over the knowledge hump <laughs> i mean a lot of people were like what um but it is not something that is um that i came up with per se okay, okay. and yeah. do people pay for this or is it free for participants, it's free. Um, and then we work with sponsors uh, and partners within the city uh, to support the event, to support the cash prizes, um, to support kind of some of the other kind of prizes that we give to the top teams. So, um, so yeah, we've been uh, really lucky. The state of Michigan or the Pure Michigan Business Connect uh, team has been our partner since the very beginning. And we continue to kind of expand our partnerships across 
um, fashion across global entrepreneurial kind of um, uh, organizations across um, tech across I mean other kind of um, city based uh, kind of organizations so and other startups. Uh, mm -hmm. So we've had a really, I mean, we've had a really fun time uh, putting awesome. this on. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll have to talk about maybe once COVID is over, how we can do something like that in Chicago with you and would love to do one just for women, if that makes sense even. So oh, yeah. that would be uh, very cool. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, we, um, we built the virtual platform uh, and ran it through the ringer. So, uh. <laughs> so we could do it virtually as well. And, you know, we yeah. do all our training virtually anyway. So yeah. um, definitely have, you know, an, um, a place where we could deliver this. So it'd be very cool. Yeah. Very oh, wonderful. Cool. So I also understand that you just won an award for diversification in the city of Detroit. Tell us more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We were uh, awarded uh, by Court Magazine here as one of the diversity-focused companies, um, which for us was such an honor because we were uh, lined up with some of the really big companies in the city. So uh, for us to, you know, be awarded that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, they. I mean, basically, our entire mission and construction is focused on supporting growing minority and women um, within tech. Mm -hmm. We wanna be the place where, and it, it's, really, it's really based off of the frustrations that I had in the larger corporate America around the support for women in tech. Because I think some of the, the statistics are out there, right? There's less than 25% of women in tech, less than 9% of people of color, uh, more than half of the women in tech uh, drop out of large corporations for a number of reasons. Um, and so we wanted to be a place where the best of the best could come and could grow and we could work on fantastic projects. Um, we could work on um, kind of making an impact in our community and creating a place where there is no limit for your career. And there is no limit on what you can learn and what you can do. Um, Lori, our passions are aligned very, yeah. very, very much so. Yeah, yeah. We, um, you know, for me, it's, um, I don't know how you can be a technology or innovation company and not be representative of what the future would look like. Like, I don't know how you could build solutions for the future um, without including on the team and within the user groups and user studies, what those, you know, what those end users would look like. And we've even been learning more, like um, we've been obviously ensuring that we have diversity within people of color, women, um, other kind of orientations, but we've even been exploring with other companies around neurodiversification, um, we were just working with a company about a month a month ago who uh, is a technology kind of um, supplier to companies where the majority of their technology professionals are autistic, um, mm -hmm. and so we were learning about how you know people with um, various types of neurodiversity um, scenarios as well as visual and hearing appearing, uh 
um, hearing um, uh, challenges can build a better, can work together to kind of, you know, take advantage and um, support kind of initiatives together. So that's, we spend a lot of time in that space. And I mean, if you don't think it's just a good thing to do, the metrics are out there, which um, one of the uh, women's executive organizations in the city of Detroit is so fantastic at sharing, which is, if you don't think diversity is a great thing at the executive and leadership and board level, well, the data shows that usually diverse leadership teams bring in 30% higher top line revenue as an organization and have a multiple of 3x EBITDA evaluation. So if you don't think it a, makes sense to do or you know, are challenged to do it, um, the business case is there, which, you know, it just seems like you make a better product, you make a better company, and you make better solutions. And you make more money. <laughs> yeah, in the end. And then the data shows that those companies do make more money right. and make, <laughs> make higher multiples uh, for valuation as a result. And it's a no-brainer. It just, you know, like you said, if you're not thinking about the future, um, what you, and it's not even the future today. Our customers are diverse, Absolutely. right? Yeah. The world is flat. We have customers all over the world and yeah. we need to represent on our teams people yeah. that can represent all walks of diversity and inclusion. We need to include them. Yeah. So very, very important. And I, yeah. I think you stated it very, very well. Um, yeah. So, you know, with COVID, we are all working virtually now. How are you keeping mm -hmm. your employees motivated, focused, and accountable uh, as they are all virtual? Um, well, our entire model has been virtual from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a very small office downtown Detroit and a network of team members across the state and sometimes the country. Um, mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we do, and we built it from the very beginning, is that we are very process-oriented um, and efficiency-oriented. And so by that, I mean, like, our the tools and technology that we use to keep people, you know, um, focused and um, to keep them kind of uh, working towards kind of the goals are built within the tools that we use, but also how we check in. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting, um, because we do a lot of client work, we do not have a lot of internal meetings that don't have a really meaningful purpose, but we connect and talk with each other on a daily basis. And so we keep them motivated by working on really interesting projects that, um, they're excited to be a part of. We keep challenging them with new and more you know, interesting scenarios to solve for. And then we keep everybody accountable because, um, you know, one of our missions is that we're very process focused, we're timeline focused, um, and we are um, constantly kind of communicating where we're at. And so we keep people accountable to deadlines because, you know, we're one of those companies when we work on timelines and deadlines, we hit them. Uh, if we don't hit them, then we've communicated well in advance what the hurdles were that we couldn't meet them or why there was not all the inputs that we needed to meet them. And so, so it's pretty, it's pretty um, apparent to us when um, people are kind of falling behind or struggling. Um, and we try to identify that earlier, as well as um, keep, you know, track on kind of the back and forth and in, in ensuring that all of our employees are engaged. We're constantly in com 
communication and working together. Um, but we also are able to carve out time if we know that they need really kind of deep, kind of quiet thinking time to work out, you know, kind of the the development of uh, a you know a solution for a company or a client um, versus the constant kind of communication you can have um, in Slack. So we try to you know manage it that way. Yeah, no, that's great. I think we do a lot of the same things. We've been virtual um, mm -hmm. for a while now and um, way before COVID, so we did not have to pivot too much like you didn't. Right. Um, but having tools and the technology and the ability to collaborate and um, have meetings and, and set deadlines and set KPIs are critical to success. Yeah. Yep. So great, great. Um, so, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner with a thriving and growing business, um, I'm sure it's really, really tough. And this is always the million dollar question. You know, how do you achieve work-life balance or is there such a thing? What's your uh, take on that? And if you have any tips for our listeners and for me, I'd love to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is an interesting year to have this conversation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. because I think, um, first to start out with COVID and then, you know, the, um, racial challenges and now the presidential election, mm -hmm. uh, back to back to back, mm -hmm. um, is probably creating, a significant amount of anxiety for people, um, right. including myself. I think um, this year has really been about finding that balance. I mean, COVID for anybody who is a small business was an incredibly stressful time. Um, finding that work-life balance is really challenging um, at times because I don't think it's a perfect um, equation every week. Um, you know, it's something that uh, I work on every day. Uh, it starts number one with the first thing I do is go for a run or a walk in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and it has also been a process that with great a great leadership team, um, I've empowered my team to make decisions, to lead the teams, to, you know, work through kind of our projects and uh, different things with the uh, authority to make decisions. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think as a leader, if my entire business runs uh, completely off of me, I have not created a sustainable business for myself. Right. Um, right. So, uh, you know, honestly, uh, exercise for me every day is critical. Mm -hmm. um, I take time to um, write out kind of the goals and objectives, the things that excite me uh, about the day, the things that give me anxiety. Um, I'll be honest, I just read the High Performing, um, is it High Performing Team by Brendan Bouchard mm -hmm. uh, with his journal. <laughs> I run through that every day to think about every day um, with all of the aspects of life. Um, that's obviously work, that's family, that's friends and relationships, it's health, it's uh, all of those aspects to make sure that I'm kind of thinking about each of those every day. Um, 
and then, you know, I do have, uh, you know, the opportunity to take some breaks and throw a podcast in and go for a walk and just think about things. So I think everybody's balance is defined differently. Um, for me, it's ensuring I have enough sleep and have exercised and can be the best version of me every day. Those are the greatest things. Exercise and sleep really yeah. gives you that focus and stamina that you need to get through your day. Um, so yeah. I think that's that's very important. Um, I think you touched on with COVID, you know, our lives are very different now. I feel yeah. like I go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting back to back to back mm -hmm. and you know in in pre-covid I would actually get in my car and drive somewhere so there was a little bit of a gap where you had time to think you had time to you know yep. move on to the next thing and now we don't so that's creating a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety for a lot of people yeah. so I think yeah. you you hit the nail on the head on that so in yeah. closing, what advice would you give a woman that might be considering a career in tech? You've had a long, uh, wonderful career journey in tech. And, you know, if somebody's kind of hesitating, and obviously we want to encourage more women to come into the technology industry, what kind of advice would you give her? You know, for me, I think there are so many opportunities within the tech space in the future, especially for a woman who's, you know, thinking about going to school, what kind of major or what kind of career she's gonna start. Um, whether it's in a startup, whether it's starting something on her own or whether it's joining a large organization, the future will be driven by technology and data. The opportunities will be endless from the creative side of technology to the intense data science side of technology and data to the development side, to the process automation side, to AI and machine learning, to just transforming companies through the large monolithic kind of way of doing things to the future there are there will be so many opportunities within the technology and data field that I would say it'd be a fantastic opportunity. And I would say that women do have some unique skills that really will be critical in this space. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't really understand. I didn't really have clarity around those skills until our team really started to work together and we started to realize that we were disrupting the traditional managed service model and the traditional way of doing things, which is, you know, that attention to detail and that obsession with, pro uh, with process optimization or let's just say fixing problems so you don't have to continue to work around the problem. Those things are great attributes for a career in technology. And if you think about quality assurance, those people who have intense attention to detail or those who are super creative and can kind of have, you know, understand how a person would want to, uh, you know, experience and engage with, I don't know, the future of retail or the future of entertainment and music. There's going to be so many opportunities for this. So I would say follow kind of the an area of interest or passion that you have. And if that is straight technology, or if that is another industry with technology, then I would go for it. I think it will be a career with endless opportunities in the future. Great advice. And, and you're absolutely right. Women have 
so many skills that work so well in this industry. You know, some of the ones that you said, you know, solving problems. We're really good about solving problems. Mm -hmm. We have an attention to detail. We mm -hmm. work well with collaboration more, more so than men. And then empathy. Mm -hmm. You know, we have uh, a lot of empathy in in our process. So I think mm -hmm. yeah, those are great. So hopefully yeah. uh, women will consider a tech industry. But like you said, there's so many industries that cross tech. You can really go anywhere and still touch tech, you know, because it's it's everywhere now. Absolutely. And I tell them not to be afraid to also create their own business. You know, I, right. I, I tell a lot of people, um, you know, after going through the corporate route and then going through kind of the startup world, I tell almost every woman that I see, which is, I hope you've created an LLC on the side, whether you use it now or down the road. And with whatever decision you made, um, if you have a passion or interest in another area or a side hustle you kind of you know want to explore, um, create that flexibility for yourself as well. Um, you don't have to use it, but I'll tell you, if there's something that you end up having as a small little side hustle early on that takes flight within five years or 10 years down the road, then you know you set yourself up uh, for more flexibility in what you can do with your career. That's great. Great. So Lori, this has been such a pleasure. I think I could talk to you for hours. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's Jennifer. the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you and your company? Absolutely. They can find us on uh, www.wearewim.com. Uh, that's where they'll find the core WIM Detroit team. Um, we are also launching the wimlabs.io uh, later, I'd say probably early next year, which is our innovation lab, which we have uh, three uh, projects going through right now. Uh, they can find us at WIM Detroit on Instagram, Facebook, and they can also check out the hackathon at DET Fashion Hack on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, yeah, that's where they can find us. And they can that's also find great. me on LinkedIn, me on okay. LinkedIn. That's Lori McCall. Great. Well, Lori, thank you again. Um, love to continue conversations of just, you know, things we can do together, but you're just amazing, innovative, and very successful. So thank you for your time. Oh, thank you. Well, it was an honor to talk to you, Jennifer. I look forward to more discussions. Great. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.